Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. It's Thomas Wasson, trucking expert here at Freight Waves. And on today's show, going to be really awesome talking about cargo security, especially cargo theft. And what is that going to mean for the freight markets? And I was digging around this last week as well. It was Thanksgiving, the holidays. And so holidays and cargo thefts, of course, rise. But there's some really cool infographics. We'll see if we can throw them up as well about uh, what happens. Uh, this is from CargoNet. And I'm looking at here, I've got a laptop. So if you're looking at the podcast, I'm having to read it. We'll throw the graphics up when we find it here. Uh, but if you want to know, uh, to kind of preface before we get going here, the types and top top commodities targeted is uh, food and beverage, electronics, and household goods. Top three for getting uh, stolen here. The average cargo loss value, according to CargoNet, is $163,429, nearly $164K. And if you're wondering where they happen uh, here, I'm going to throw up the graphic as well. Uh, the parking lot, your warehouse DC, or a truck stop. So this is really cool stuff here, uh, especially the amount of incidences. So, you know, we're at 126, but this was on the uh, from the provider uh, CargoNet. And so, you know, one thing we forget about during the holidays is that drivers are going home. A lot of times they are laden. You know, you want to stack your driver home with freight. And we're going to throw some tips in a minute. But what can happen is it can get broken into. So one more thing, we're going to throw the second one up here. And this is the other thing I found super interesting because... Uh, you know, my biggest one here that I wanted to highlight is securing the load. This is something that I think people forget about. You know, I always ask about, uh, you know, why do we have uh, the load locks, which are typically like a form of padlock, as well as uh, the little plastic thing you're wrapping around it, but you're supposed to use better seals. So a kingpin lock, things to remember, as well as uh, steering column locks. There's a bunch of stuff out there. So I typically talk about how, oh, well, you know, there's not a lot being done. But if you follow the instructions, I post this on Twitter as well, you could have a lower chance. But let's bring in the expert here because I, I thought the two images are really interesting to kind of bring up the topic. But we're going to be talking with uh, Phil Schmidbauer. He is with ODW Logistics and he is a senior director of analytics and solutions. And Phil, super excited to have you back on, get to talk to you as well again. Tell us about, you know, What's going on in this cargo theft? How big of a deal is this? ODW's been doing warehousing since 71, so y'all are a lot more exposed than me who's tracking my Amazon packages on a phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Thomas, I uh, appreciate having you. Uh, it was good seeing you a couple weeks ago, and um, and thanks for having me on. Um, I, I don't I think those graphics are interesting. I think um, there, there's, it's just interesting to think about, you know, people can get it stolen right out of the back of the trailer. I've seen entire loads, uh, attempted to be stolen and stolen in the past. Um, and you know, to your point, there's things you can do to mitigate it. There's some things that were hypersensitive to, you know, when you, when you have a, a load of copper, people love to, to try to steal a load of copper from you and to your point, consumer goods. Um, and, and not only from the warehouse standpoint, when something's getting picked up, but also to your point, when it's in transit, once it's in transit, what are you doing to making sure carriers are being diligent with those trailers? Where are they going with those trailers? That they're not just sitting in an unsecured drop lot somewhere. So, um, it's interesting to look at those graphics and see really the incidents as they happen. Cause nobody really thinks about it until something happens to one of your loads. Uh, then you're like, oh man, how did that happen? Um, so there's, there's, I always believe it's, it's more prudent to be proactive than reactive in a situation like this. And thinking about being proactive as well, 
Uh, where does it generally start? Because I think this is an interesting thing. A lot of times, uh, if a theft does occur, we do see the the blame game. Sometimes the carrier, the broker blames the carrier, the carrier blames the shipper and whatnot. You know, when we're trying to root cause this and try to have uh, best practices at the beginning, where does it typically start, uh, at least the conversation? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. We had one recently, Thomas, that, um, that I heard about, and I can't even, I don't even know that I can specifically explain exactly how it happened, but it was basically somebody spoofed a carrier, um, pretended to be a carrier, actually sent in an actual carrier to go pick up a load, took it to a location to get transloaded onto another carrier. That location was just doing what they were asked to do. Um, and then in the middle of investigating a load theft, found out that there was other loads that were being processed through that location and actually stealing an entire load, right? But then finding out who was actually doing it was darn near impossible to have done, but they found out and stopped the loading of, of another fraudulent loan in the middle of investigation, right? So I was talking to somebody about that load. It's like, it's, it's really hard to even find out how these things are happening. But what it really boils down to is everybody needs to be diligent along the line. So we like to, for example, at our warehouse, we want to make sure we know exactly what carrier is picking up, what the truck name is, and making sure that driver's uh, accountable for that. Um, there's a lot of technologies out there that are supporting some of this. When you're when you're seeing some of these loads that are being spoofed, uh, I call it, or, or somebody pretending to be a carrier, making sure that it's actually that carrier. So, you know, for example, our brokers when they're when they're booking a load, they don't. They don't book a load with a carrier unless they can tell us what the phone number is, the address, that, that we're using technology to, to set new carriers up and making sure we know who's who when we're booking loads. So it really boils down to um, to people along the lines, whether it's a broker, whether it's a shipper, being connected and understanding who's supposed to pick up that load and who's actually there to pick it up. So there's technologies to support. And unfortunately, in the end, the owner of the goods is the one that's usually out and filing a claim. The question comes in is, who are we filing the claim against? Are we filing it against the carrier, the shipping facility, et cetera? Um, and there's not always black and white answers to who's responsible. And that's the that's the difficult part when you're trying to stop thieves. And I think that's one of the big things is, uh, you know, the, the trucking and freight has been such a high trust thing. Uh, you know, before all mm. the technology, even uh, you had such a great point about even transloading. Like when I needed to transload, it literally was just you Google a facility, you call them. They say, hey, yeah, I have dock space. You send in a driver and they're just doing it. And they say, OK, give me the comm check or how's payment going to be done. And I mean, that's literally yeah. it's so easy to fly under the radar when you're those facilities. And just like with the sending a load and I got when I was double brokered as a dispatch uh, dispatcher, we sent the driver in, but the Raycon was sent with another carrier. So we called the broker and they said, no, no, it's okay. It's two loads. I have two loads. You're just the other one. I hadn't sent it back yet. And then the shipper found out you're, yeah. it was only one load. So it does feel like right now, yeah. I guess people are, because of how the uh, the economy, there was more money the past two years. It's almost like these really tech savvy people are coming in there. Uh, it's taking advantage of this trust that we just got used to. Yeah, I mean, you know, whether they're going to hijack your systems in a, in a tech savvy environment, and you know, and hold your your systems hostage, like we saw with SDs and, and other people, um, you know, you got people doing the same thing with freight, and they're they're, um, the, you know, they're they're coming into networks and, and figuring out how this works. And I mean, they have to understand freight, right? Because of how how um, just articulate they are with their with their schemes. It's just it's ridiculous, um, and, and it's just something we got to be hyper vigilant about in the industry and making sure that we have checks and balances in place. And, you know, you, you, you don't give a piece of freight or a shipment to somebody that, that isn't there. And then, and then the other part of some of the graphic you showed, like knowing what your carriers are doing with the freight and you're right over the holiday, you got a bunch of drivers trying to get home. 
Um, you're giving them loads, knowing that it's probably going to sit, not deliver till after that, just making sure that they have a load lock in place, that they're putting a padlock on it. And again, nothing's perfect, right? Padlocks can be cut, uh, you know, if people really want to get it freight. But, um, you know, there's, there's, it's just trying to be vigilant and work together as an industry, whether it be new technology providers and, and really sharing best practices on some of these processes to, to try to eliminate theft as much as possible. And I've got a I've got a fun one. I've, I pulled those tips up because it's a huge graphic, tons of little tips. My favorite one I found was remind drivers to arrive at the pickup well rested, showered, and fed with a fuel full tank of fuel. And I think that's such a crazy thing because I had spoken to or read somewhere that uh, the sophistication now is once the thieves discover a distribution center sells a certain thing. So beverage was the top one. So let's say we have a, a, a yeah. beverage distribution center. They'll purposefully try to follow some of these trucks out. And if they're not fully, you know, well-rested, if they're low on hours, they take a break five miles from the shipper or they're not uh, fueled up and they need to take a shower. Uh, I guess that's what they'll do is they'll pop the back of that trailer open. And uh, it, it blows my mind because you would assume that uh, you wouldn't assume that people are actually staking out these distribution centers to try to get access. I mean, Thomas is interesting because whenever I hear something like that, um, I, I don't think like that, right? I'm not a thief, so I don't think like, oh, how can I rip somebody off today, right? But you almost have to train yourself to start thinking about how you could get ripped off um, as, as you're going through this, right? So to your point, like you don't think about some of those things. Um, and from a carrier perspective, I'm sure a lot of them, and I know a lot of carrier partners we have, that they'll have something happen in one part of the country, and then they're starting to think about it and sharing that best practice across across other locations. So, I mean, you're right. As you see these things, unfortunately, we we learn by having bad things happen to us. Um, so as we do that, it's about sharing those things and, and making sure that other people can learn from our mistakes and um, or from something we never saw coming. Uh, so how do we get better at, at getting rid of this? I think it was, it was fun a couple of weeks ago. I had a lot of conversations with people about theft, right? And what they're doing. And you learn a lot of little things that that happen in the middle of those those conversations. But it's just about continuing to share and make people make people aware. And I think that's one interesting thing is uh, from your conversations or being in the industry as long as you have been, do you see instances where shippers are having to change their behavior? Or is this something where maybe we're just finally getting more attention brought up to it through media outlets and other stuff? I, I wonder if we've seen any adjustments uh, over over the few years because of this growing sophistication. Uh, I'm not sure if you just called me old. I think you did, but that's okay. Season. Uh, <laughs> no, Season. <laughs> season. Uh, no, I think it's, to me, it's all about lear learning to keep up with the, the thieves, right? Or trying to stay ahead of them. So like, yeah, there's absolutely things that, that we're doing that we learned from that we didn't think about before that you hear about from somebody else, right? It's always good to learn from someone else's mistakes than your own. Um, but I absolutely, in the, in the number of years since, you know, I graduated college in 2002, so I'll date myself. But since then, every year, it's something different. Like it's something else. There's a new technology out to try to help with it. Um, as thieves get smarter and more tech savvy, and as there's more technology out there, we have to do the same thing in the industry is adapt and understand how we're going to eliminate some of these things from happening or learn from some of our mistakes or somebody else's mistakes. So to your point, yes, there's things that tried and true methods that you can use, but there's always something new we got to protect against. Um, and, you know, even from, from IT hacks and making sure you're not clicking on the wrong link that all of a sudden you can give away all kinds of information about your company. And then, then it's worse than a load being it's, it's all your information and data and bank accounts and who knows what. So I think there's a little bit of both to that, you know, old methods and then learning from, from current mistakes and how we can get better and be smarter than thieves. 
Let's talk about the market conditions as well, because I think that not only is cargo theft something that is ongoing, but depending upon the environment of, of freight, you know, mm-hmm. right now it's it's tough for carriers to find loads. And so I wonder if that's a situation where maybe we're seeing a larger increase of uh, that because these carriers are willing to not pay attention to who they're getting the load from, or maybe they're willing to say, give it a risk it. Uh, and and try it uh, at, at least even if they're getting double brokered because otherwise they're you know it's a big goose egg for the day they're not putting revenue on the truck. Yeah, from a carrier perspective, I think that's an interesting take, right? Everybody, everybody's um, let's call it tolerance for risk is going to change based on the business business climate, um, and you see it everywhere. So carriers are obviously going to going to do the same thing. Same with uh, you know with with brokers in a, in a certain environment, right? So maybe brokers are a little bit less right now because it's a little easier to find carriers on, on who they're giving it to. But to your point, everybody's uh, tolerance is going to shift based on that business environment today. So it certainly is a, a tough market, uh, not not the, the number of loads out there that carriers would love to see. Um, and so that that's certainly playing a factor, I'm sure. I always wonder as a broker as well, and you all, you all luckily being multimodal, having the warehouse experience, uh, brokerage and assets, you kind of get to see it all. But one of the funny comments and one of the tips that I saw uh, is that uh, be wary of truckers that are willing to take a undesirable load for a lower rate than the industry standard may set you up for a theft. And in this market condition, everyone's taking undesirable <laughs> loads for a lower yeah. rate than the industry <laughs> standard. You know, I wonder where you yeah. draw that line. Because, you know, when I was a broker, uh, you would get some rates and some rips that are too good to be true. You know, maybe this is a $100 margin lane. This guy really wants it for two to 250 And when you're in this environment, sometimes you don't think and you're like, all right, are they in the system? Yeah, MC's good. Send it. Already cleared comp- compliance a year ago. You know, I wonder about yeah. that as well, because it does feel like you're between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, you got to be real careful. Um, and I would say making sure you're leveraging some of the relationships you know. And if you're setting up a new carrier, it's like hypervigilant, double checking, triple checking, making sure you know who you're talking to. Um, because you're right. Who Who's going to define what uh, the low end of the market is when the market just keeps dropping on you? Um, and what's a, what's a ridiculously low rate? And I mean, there's there's sometimes where you're like, well, I don't know if this is just a really good rate because the driver just wants fuel, fuel money to get home for Thanksgiving, or if it's uh, if this is somebody trying to steal the load. So it's all about going into the back end and understanding: Do you, are you positive? You know who you're giving this load to? Um, did you double and triple check and make sure um, that that this is the right guy? That he's got the right email address? He's got the right? Is it somebody you know? Right? So it's kind of like I trust my neighbor that he's going to bring you know bring a package inside for me, but. Uh, but do you know who you're actually talking to and, and verifying that? So to your point, it's it's very uh, people have to be cautious because there's not really you know to your point there's not really a low end on where the rates are right now. It's it's been been ridiculous at some points. I think that's the biggest uh, thing that's probably underreported is both brokers and carriers in this market. Uh, you're going to take more risk because you're either trying to expand that margin or you're trying to book it up, book it on the load. But I wonder from the compliance standpoint as well. It, it it seemed easier two years ago when I'm filling out carrier packets when the market was hot and we needed trucks. But now it's almost yeah. like the compliance people are taking over and saying, uh-uh, I know there's like all these carriers, but I need to like start double checking it. Do you ever see a seesaw effect depending upon the market cycle, if it's a boom or bust? And absolutely. And and it could be just what the loads we're looking at too, right? If you've got a high value load, you're going to be hypervigilant on who you're, bu- who you're booking it for. Nothing against somebody with a lower value load, but it's not a product that people are aiming for, right? If we're shipping a load of copper, um, we're going to be hyper vigilant, you know, making sure that the care that's the carrier showing up, et cetera. But you're absolutely right. There's, I mean, that's what our industry is, right? That's 
part of the fun of it is things are never the same. They're always going to change. And next month will be different from this month. So um, it keeps us on our toes a little bit. But there's absolutely a seesaw that happens in, in the environment. Do you think, uh, especially with technology, before we hit the nearshoring question, because I feel like that's going to be something big to to tackle as well. Do you think from a technology standpoint, we're going to see even from a warehousing, uh, I know that Amazon has ways to check in. People are using QR codes or certain types of things on an app to verify. Uh, do you see a situation where some of these smaller cap customers or small cap shippers uh, are having to pay more attention to it? Or, or do you think that we're still stuck in this mode where, well, I got Bob's cell phone and I know which truck it is, what's on the truck. Uh, it still feels like we're verifying stuck in like the 80s or 90s. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, when it comes to technology, I firmly believe in good process, right? And then technology can oftentimes automate a process, make it more foolproof. You know, you've got the duo, um, you know, the dual, uh, authentication and stuff like that today. That's, that certainly could be helpful, but I do feel like if you have a good solid process, it still works. Um, and I know I, I talk about this a lot with other people, but in, in one of my past lives, we had drivers that would verify on pencil and paper what they were picking up, making sure they checked it off and knew what they had. And if there was any discrepancies, they called into the office. That process still works today for that business unit. And, and it's great. Um, you know, so I think I think that technology can certain, su- certainly support. But what I often find is if you don't have a good process on the back end, technology is not necessarily going to fix your problem. Right. So you got to have a good, solid process of verification and then technology can oftentimes automate that for you. So um, I do feel like technology is going to help. I think when it comes to setting up carriers, there's technologies that are helping do that and identifying things that we wouldn't see. Um, and, and without turning this into a commercial, I think there's certainly companies that are that are supporting the theft on the back end and saying, hey, um, this carrier is showing in our system. They've only got two trucks, but the one you're booking with is saying that we've got more and they don't, they've got way more payables out there. Uh, then we have we show loads that are possible for them to have that. So it's throwing red flags up when when we see those type of things on the on the front end of setting up carriers. I think that's really cool. I didn't think about the payable aspect because um, you know you would you know when you do your uh, MCS form one fifty every year you got to update it. Uh, so like, but having the technology between the payables that's really smart because I would assume that if I'm spoofing carriers and stuff, I need all my payables to go to one place, but the MC numbers I'm, I'm yeah. swapping them around. Yeah, yeah. All different types of types of ways to try to catch these guys out there. That's for sure. Let's talk about nearshoring and cross-border. This is one of the things that uh, frequently everyone is talking about. Uh, we see developments in Monterey, the Tesla factory, Chinese multinationals doing developments and stuff. But one thing that I'm curious about is now we're going to see more of this cross-border movement. What about the cargo security situation? Uh, I can't remember who I spoke with. Uh, swear, like I'm, it's after F3, my brain just gets it's fried. I got to catch <laughs> up. But um, they said that, I guess, insurance was d- the shippers had to deal with the potential problems. There wasn't really a mechanism in place uh, to handle some of the insurance and cargo security for extra riders or something. Is that something we may see a larger challenge? Uh, I hate to use the C word for cartels, but I wonder if there's opportunistic non-state actors who may say, hey, I see a lot more stuff coming in my neck of the woods. Let me uh, take a little cut. Give me a pallet out of the back of your Red Bull, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was always uh, interesting going across the border into Mexico. And we always told the customer, like, there's just not, there's not like when, once you go into Mexico, um, you know, there's not the, the controls, I'll call it government controls and and things around when you're shipping across the border. So a lot of times it is on, on the shipper uh, to carry an extra rider on, on that. Um, It certainly helps to use known 
carriers uh, that are crossing the border. So, you know, I've done it for a number of years. And if you use the right people that are crossing the border and they know who they're working with in Mexico, you don't run into to a ton of issues. Um, I absolutely I absolutely have seen instances where, um, you know, in Mexico City, we had a guy that was living down in Mexico City. And, and at one point he was locked up in his in his apartment because there was uh, cartel activity that they basically shut down a road and took what they wanted from the people that were stuck on the road. So, um, you know, it's a scary story, but I mean, those things are happening. Um, and so it's it's something to be protective against. But it's it's I, I don't know that anything will change there because I, I don't know the the, the politics of, of Mexico and, and how things operate down there and, and the, the way that works. But I know from a transportation standpoint, it's always, you know, work with somebody that, you know, and you trust down in Mexico that, that helps you get freight where it needs to go. And I think also that's maybe why locations and designing where you want these shippers to be as close to the border as possible to minimize movement. Um, You know, that's probably another thing. But I I wonder if, uh, especially if you're the carrier at these cross-border facilities, uh, I'm assuming that means extra security and more attention because, uh, I mean, I had this happen one time in a Laredo terminal. We lost a trailer. It was a $5 million beauty products launch for one of these makeup people. The trailer was lost for six months. Uh, they charged us $5 yeah. million afterwards. But, you know, those things happen even on a good day. I can only imagine we see more movements, maybe more complexity and risk of losing stuff, either accidental or purpose. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's a fair, fair question. Um, I don't know that there's a real black and white answer to it. But to your point, um, I think it just boils down to being hyper hyper vigilant um, in the processes you have, the people that you're using. Um, you know, I think if there's more more cross border activity, right, you're gonna you're gonna see these carriers grow that handle that business. And um, and I don't I don't do as much across the border as, as I used to in the past. In the past, we had a large customer that um, at a former company where we did a ton across the border in three different uh, border crossings and and on a daily basis. And we had the right partners, right? We had the right carriers in Mexico and in the U.S. that were helping helping do that. Um, of course, you know, Canada's, Canada's a little different, uh, and there's, there's different rules in Canada and, and certainly a different government there. That's, it's a little bit different and a little bit easier from that standpoint. But I think if you look at the Southern border and if, if, if that's where we're going to grow and, and do a lot more near shoring, I think it's all about just being vigilant, working with the right partners and those partners are going to grow, right? They're going to be the same people doing, doing that freight and helping you get it, get it to and from Mexico in a safe, safe manner. Final thoughts here as well. I've got about three minutes left. Uh, by modes, intermodal and such. Um, I know that there had been instances in Los Angeles where some of the rail cars had been broken into. Uh, some folks are scoping them out. But when you're looking at cargo theft, uh, is there any, you know, is the best practices just kind of across the board? Or if I've got something going on the rail, do I need to take any extra steps compared to truckload? Or, uh, you know, what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I haven't personally in our network. We haven't seen that as 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 big of a problem. You know, to your point, you see stuff on the news. Um, I don't know that I've seen good statistics on where most of it's happening. I know you shared a graphic, which is good, but whether there's intermodal that's happening uh, more frequently than over the road, I feel like intermodal is less exposed uh, because it's generally in transit and going. And I mean, I don't. To your point, you you made a good point earlier about people might follow trucks out of a facility they know ships high quality or high value goods. Um, I, I don't know that people are following trains across the country trying to pick out a certain rail car that looks better than another one, right? So um, it, it's just, I, I don't know if there's anything different I would do from a shipper standpoint. Um, I, I think it's more about just being vigilant, making sure your stuff's insured and and trying to control the things you can control. Uh, somebody breaking into a container or a trailer, they're, they're going to they're gonna do that if they want to do that, right? It's, it's a matter of 
you know, trying to make it as difficult on them to identify the real high value stuff when you're shipping it. I feel like given how like a rail car is over a mile long nowadays, your average uh, cargo thief is probably like, look, I'm not going to crack all these open. You know, I'm going to go find the guy outside the <laughs> the, the uh, electronics facility or something. I can at least predict yeah. that it's probably toilet paper or something else. But, um, you know, wrapping yeah. things up, um, looking forward about uh, a minute left. What are some of the things that you're are you keeping an eye on or any recent developments? Anything we should be aware of coming across the wire in terms of uh, uh, theft prevention or cargo theft? Yeah, no, I think there's there's some good technologies out there. And we talked, I talked to a couple technology providers a couple of weeks ago at F3. Um, I think, you know, vet those out and see how, how that technology can can support people's business. Um, I think it's going to be being smarter with the people that are, are spoofing carriers and stealing loads in very creative ways. Um, I do think as an industry, we need to make sure we're talking to each other and sharing that stuff, right? What are, what are the details between how people are pulling that out? Um, working with load boards, right? I know, I know load boards are are trying to support uh, some some more than others on, hey, here's theft, theft prevention and ways we can we can help. So I think as an industry, we just need to keep talking about it and, and find ways to share information and, and share best practices to prevent it. Perfect. 20 seconds left. Best way to get in touch, find out more information about ODW or yourself. Yeah, phil.schmidbauer at odwlogistics.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can just go to the ODW Logistics website and we've got all kinds of stuff on there as well. So certainly appreciate it, Thomas. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for your time, Phil. Looking forward to catching up again. Have a great evening or afternoon as well. Good Lord, it's getting dark early. Throw me off. But that's it for this show. Running low on time, but you can check this thing out. If you're just joining us, it will be on demand, Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Newsletter comes out Thursdays, 2 p.m. Freightways.com slash loaded and rolling. Join us next week, Tuesday, 1 p.m. We'll do it live.